You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Ryan McCubbin. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hey, David Hall. Yeah. Oh, is that really you? Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. Hey, Greg Hectus. I have a voice. Well, on the show today, we will find out what iRacing has in store for their next new vehicle. There's more clues as to the wet stuff and what legendary wheel manufacturer may be in the sim racing market. And Dave Cam goes legend in his own way at Bathurst. And, and remember, guys, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacialSounds.com and selecting show notes. So log in and let's see you there. We do, and uh, iRacing have put out on social media a CAD drawing of their next uh, new entry into the stable of formula cars. Now, it doesn't sh- you know, say what it is, but uh, people have surmised that it's the Formula Ford. It looks just like the Formula V to me. You know, the airbox and the side pod is slightly different. It's tr- kind of figuring out what year the Formula Ford this is trying to be, but... I couldn't find a Formula Ford to look like this yet, so I'm not 100% sold that it that it is the Formula Ford, but I'd be excited if it was. That's probably the most likely suspect, right? Yeah, yeah and, and it seems like it seems like they're going uh they're checking off boxes for SCCA cars, you know, the Sports Club, Sports Car Club of America. They they really seem like they're checking off a lot of boxes on on that state of cars. Could this be a, a new Formula Ford in real life as well, modeled after, maybe? And will this be free like the Formula V was free? Good question. That's a good question. My my guess would probably not because, well, it's it's going to have a lot more horsepower than the um, Formula V, so it's not going to be like an entry-level vehicle like typical free ones are. Um, it's going to be a little bit more advanced than the Formula uh, V, so I I would say probably not my guess if that's what it is i like it um you know i'm currently dabbling into open wheel right now um i'm indy pro is really my car at the moment the indy pro 2000 but i go back to the f2000 and sometimes even skip barber but i mean this car would be right in that lineup probably right below skip barber i would guess yeah and um so it if if you know what the Formula V looks like, it's it's similar in body style, and with the wheels and the uh, and the linkage and all that stuff. The thing that it doesn't have is any downforce at all. There's no wings or anything on it, just like the Formula V. So, the Formula V 
can get a little snappy loose just because it doesn't have any any of that downforce. I imagine with this thing, with the with the much higher horsepower that a Ford motor will be compared to a Volkswagen engine, it's going to make this thing a little tricky to drive. Uh, no downforce on a on a car like this is going to be tricky. Very much like the Lotus 49, which is a fast car with no downforce, you have to slow dramatically for the corners, <laughs> and then it goes real fast on the straights. And so it's a different style of racing for sure. Yeah, and this was the first year I remember um, racing, doing like big stuff with the SCCA runoffs that are like their championships at the end of the year. And uh, I don't know, maybe this is, this is their for, this is their introduction to more cars into that SCCA class runoff system. Bring it on. All right, Don, I got a question for you. How is um, MSG going to pay for Indy licensing when they can't pay their employees? They're probably going to have to ask for a, an allowance from their father company. But it sounds like a rumor from a source that Motorsports Games claim that they have not been paying their employees and they may be threatening a lawsuit. Uh, this is from Insider Gaming. And a little uh, snippet from the article says, things only seem to be going from bad to worse for Motorsports Games as Insider Gaming has learned that developers from the company are threatening a lawsuit over unpaid wages. Now, there are circumstances, of course, and the circumstances are... These are Russian employees, and apparently the way that Motorsports Games actually makes uh, racing games is they farm it out to the high, the lowest bidder, probably, and, uh, you know, freelance style, and it happens to be in Russia. So because of the Ukrainian war uh, and that thing going on, uh, they claim, you know, they haven't been able to uh, send the money because of the, the nature of the situation. Doesn't this situation just get more and more uh, skeptical each time we talk about it? Like, there's so many red flags. And how did none of these companies that signed with them see this, like, see what it's going on right now? You'd think that they would do something about it. Yeah, it seems like IndyCar did not do a whole lot of homework to tie their wagons to this uh, company. Because um, there are, you, you're right. There's there's a lot of red flags going on. We've been hearing about it for over a year with uh, with their financial situation being precarious at the best. And um, you know, this could be just another example. Um, saying that the, the that the war in Russia has been keeping them from paying their their Russian employees or subcontractors, however they do it, does not seem to be a uh, you know, a, a valid reason why they couldn't pay their people. There's other companies that do it successfully, Brian, for sure. And there's there's ways around it if you do the research and figure it out. And and so, yeah, I think it's just an excuse. I mean, it's the only one they have. Now, and this the goes other back thing, to sorry, Mike. Uh, oh, okay, I was going to read one little uh, tidbit here that I thought was interesting. Although relocation isn't uncommon for developers, Motorsports Games did not offer any compensation for the move and said employees would have to relocate on their own. In addition, new contracts were offered to those who could move to Georgia, which included reduced wages in comparison with the Russian salaries, which are around 20% less. So they offered, hey, go to Georgia and, and work there. 
and but we won't pay you to go to Georgia, and we'll pay you twenty percent less. Yeah, and uh, I'm 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 assuming it's not the Atlanta Georgia, it's uh, <laughs> the Georgia in uh, Eastern uh, Eastern Europe, Eastern right? Europe. Right. Well, this, this makes me think a lot about um, a story we had when when the first IndyCar thing hit, and one of the lawyers was uh, asked, you know, was um, trying to give his two cents about how iRacing get this license back. And the biggest thing they said, the only thing that really seemed to make sense was that if there was an issue where um, uh, motorsports could not fulfill their obligations, they could. Uh, they could withdraw their um, withdraw their uh, their license deal, so that that seems to me to be the most the most reasonable way that iRacing could get a shot back at that licensing from Indy is if, if they're able to pull out because of a financial thing like this. And to be clear, I mean, this is in reference to the work done on the NASCAR game. It does say that. This isn't about the IndyCar game. The, the 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 Russians in question apparently worked on the NASCAR game, and they and they still haven't been paid. The game looks great. If you just take a look at the the snippet and the screenshot we have on our script, it's an awesome pileup. Nice yeah, screenshot, looks, it looks right? Like a, a, yeah, it looks like a like a thing lot after like a tornado came through. When the cars are just stacked on two top down like crazy. I mean. The NASCAR game was panned so poor, bad because of its physics and its AI. It was just panned so badly as being just a terrible game. I just don't, I still can't understand why Indy would 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 uh, tie their wagons to this this company after their, you know, financial woes, the the low quality of their product. I just don't get it. CFO saying they're out of money. We we're gonna be be dead in the water. I mean, there's so many different red flags. Yeah, you're right. How about some more red flags? Yeah, this next one is the worst clickbait tweet I've ever seen because it's absurd. But what do you think, Greg? I was hoping Mike was going to take. I was hoping Mike was going to take this one, but uh, I never had gotten a chance to look at it. But I can obviously. It's got a clickbait title of uh, um, "Is iRacing's uh, days numbered?" I guess is what they're uh, implying in what here. They with a bunch of things going on with uh, the fact that all these last couple of weeks we've been talking about the indie controversy, what we just covered a couple minutes ago and things like that with R factor um, having some of their releases here recently and uh, things like that. And I, I think it's just someone trying to create an article for the heck of it here from overtake uh, to get some clicks. Well, it did give me a double take anytime I see the words iRacing's days may be numbered because I'm invested, you know. <laughs> you buy all this equipment and then you're thinking, oh. And I don't really run other sims and stuff, so um, I suppose I could, but I've never felt the need to. And, and uh, yeah, when people say this, you know, yeah, I'm going to click it, and it was clickbait. Well, and I don't know if was it um, – is it in this article where they – posted the or was it something else that we were talking about uh where they posted the um concurrent people on the sim at at, at a time while or for r factor i racing and them at that time compared to you know how many people you know you can pick a low point of the day and kind of create your own data points i would go by like 
you know, how many people are subscribed, how many active users um, over the last months and stuff, not just by the single day. So I'll kind of go over some of the points of this article. Um, you know, first of all, there's this LFM and this LFM is a ranking service for a set of Corsa and R Factor. And combined, you know, he, he's saying basically, you know, this is, this is competition to iRacing. So his first point says, iRacing, no longer the content king. And he points out the loss of the IndyCar license. He points out the loss of being able to run a proper 24-hour Le Mans. The next point, R-Factor is the best racing simulator, uh, which I'm not sure about that either. But And the next one was the obvious price gap differences uh, between the uh, you know, what it cost, uh, with iRacing being a subscription monthly, you know, and every, and the other one not being. What other simulator out there has the content iRacing has legitimately? Well, I think Donnie, the reason he's taken a point at this is because they've lost a couple things and that's why he's able to, you know, kind of make this thing saying that, okay, we've our, he's, he's using our factors, big updates that they've done to add to stuff recently. And then obviously iRacing losing the fact, like iRacing hasn't actually lost the content. They've lost the rights to use the name of the content. We still have IndyCar. We just can't do the major event, but nobody can. It's not like our factor can do an Indy, IndyCar race either. It, it's, it's still, um, it it's construed one way by the way that's written that it's forcing a narrative of um the r factor it's his opinion i mean he can he can like r factor he can use his points here to make it i mean if somebody that liked i racing and overtake um they probably could you know in this make or this article they read an article about i racing they could you know find the facts that would support i racing over r factor yeah but Donnie's no, point I mean, they're GT cars in these other sims, and that's it. You know, they're, what else? They're not running exactly. dirt. They're not running all this other crazy stuff that we do. I think, Ovals. Mike, do you think of the other thing that really um, I find with this mag or this article too is it's a heavy European style, so it's got to do with road racing. It's got to do with um, it's because they have because Le Mans. Uh, isn't part of iRacing anymore because of some of the road stuff's gone away. Well, I don't see any any talk about the NASCAR, how much, you know, you got your NASCAR stuff on the iRacing is like the huge portion of iRacing that people always seem to forget when things are going on here. Like the biggest draw on iRacing is the oval side mm. for the most part. And then when you lose yeah. a couple road things, yeah, you're going to notice it. Sports cars are really huge too. The IMSA draws yeah. are gigantic. There's 200 people signing up for the Daytona yeah. races. That's that's true. But what what other NASCAR racing game is there out there for a computer? I, I don't know of any that that are out there. So, and um, their their connection with NASCAR is so strong. I I don't see any chance of that ever going away. Um, unless the major happens, but um, I don't see that going away. Um, we had that story last week about another driving sim that was coming out. It was, uh, they were, they were kind of poaching some of the um, top, yeah, some of the top level drivers, but I don't think, I don't think those top level drivers drive um, 
subscriptions or 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 fans to the games themselves necessarily. I think it's more more the things like leagues and and the uh, and the official races that iRacing provides that drive drive that. I don't think it's the high level drivers that might be pulling out and going to different areas. You know, we we, we cover it and talk about it because it's it's interesting news for the uh, championship series when some somebody like that leaves. But I don't think for the most part it, it has any effect at all for who who races what what um, sims. Yeah, prior prior to me joining you guys in the summer, you guys put out a story um, or covered a story uh, showing the facts or the stats of how many users are on each uh, service. And iRacing blew them away, and it wasn't even close. I, I tried to find that that um, article you guys did, but I could not remember or could not find it. But um, and that's even with when iRace or IndyCar was a part of the service and running IndyCar last year doesn't draw a whole bunch of numbers to the service. So I don't know. I don't know if this is a short-sighted article here or just somebody has an agenda. Agenda. Uh, he also uses rain as a, an example of why it, uh, R factor is better. He, he says R factor two, on the other hand, boasts very realistic rain implementation. That's cool. I racing will get it soon too. Again, I don't think rain makes a huge difference in whether somebody runs one sim over the other. Cause to me, rain seems like it's going to be more of a detriment than than uh, addition, because I just don't think it's going to be that much fun. So I was yeah. trying to figure out motivation or motive on this article, and the article is by Overtake.gg. Now it's easy to get that confused with Traxian.gg, and now Traxian.gg is the media arm of guess what Motorsports Games. So, but, and so initially I got confused and I thought this was the company that's owned by motorsports. And I'm like, well, of course they put this out that iRacing's going down. Uh, but in fact, these are third party uh, this overtake.gg is a third party, but I, again, I still haven't figured out their motivation. They're a general, like you looking through their webpage, it's they're They read articles about everything, right? So it's not, they're not just picking on one thing or here or there they got stuff about f1 codemaster games and things like that um so it it kind of maybe it comes back to the person that's writing the article it's it just the even like if you when you're when i look at like uh games when they get reviewed like video games if you have the wrong person reviewing a certain genre of a game it can ruin the way that it's been reviewed um and not um accepted right so if maybe this article you know it had a guy that was biased towards the r factor i don't know uh that him too well but it could have just been a bias uh or like you said an agenda um what he was doing it just comes off as anti-redneck anti-american pretty much all right uh next thing we got is the probably maybe Maybe the bossiest move in history. What do you think, Donnie? Yeah, I thought this was pretty spectacular, but uh, Dave Cam posted a video on his YouTube channel of him taking the jump at Bathurst on the last lap while leading. Uh, but it's fun watching the jump because he almost doesn't make it. He almost head in, head on the wall to the right, but luckily he creams off into a 45 degree angle to the left and crosses the line. And wins the race with, the, and he blew the engine when he landed. 
So he had to coast across the line. So the other, the brilliance of this is he had to have a big enough lead over second place to be able to pull this off. Right, because he's going to get him, even if the car stays alive, he's getting a massive uh, time penalty, a slowdown penalty, even if, if the car survives. It didn't, and and he's just co- and he's like going so slow. It's it's almost a, a a guess as to whether he's going to make it to the line or not. He's like just barely moving, and then you hear his uh, crew chief say that that he won the race. It was a uh, really cool. It was awesome. We now we, we talked a lot of times about doing the jump after the race is over. We're coming around um, after the la- after the last lap is done, uh, but uh, I've never seen somebody go for it that in the race that's leading especially i mean if you're if you're in last place who cares you can do it on the last lap but if you're leading the race and you're um you know there's a good chance of, you might not finish it because of do it, trying that one uh, it was awesome i, I love this video and by the way dave dave cam in this one is wearing one of the ugliest uh, christmas sweaters ever which is just glorious <laughs> I, i'm not sure i would do it Brian, I don't think I would because a win is a win is a win. I mean, I wouldn't. I'd be afraid. Oh man, I'm going to give up this win. I'll I'll put it in the wall and I won't even be able to finish. And but uh, he risked giving up the win, and I applaud him for that. We are not worthy. Well, I was just thinking, like you're taking that risk, and you don't say you don't pull it off, and you don't win, and that was your one shot this year to like put one in the the category of a win column or something like that. It just it, I just don't know if I would have that mentality coming down the hill to try it. And then the, the worst part, uh, when you were saying there to Brian is he's got a slowdown penalty, but with having the motor blown, he can't dictate how slow he can go. He's got to roll to the line as, and hope it, it goes away before he got to the line. Like normally you could slow down and then get going again um, to get that penalty to go away. But he he timed it all perfectly and it, it it just worked out for him yeah he has a youtube channel to fall back on to make himself feel good inside if he didn't make it he at least has a cool clip to post for me who never wins or hardly ever wins i'd be hyperventilating on the last lap anyway because i'm about to win a race for once and uh, so i wouldn't even it wouldn't even cross my mind all right mike empty box gets a refill empty box is back the popular iRacing youtuber extraordinaire Otherwise, no, otherwise known as Matt or he's putting videos up of him doing iRacing again after a long hiatus away. Uh, I looked at it where his last videos were about a year back. Um, but uh, glad to have him back. Uh, if you don't know who Empty Box is, I mean, he was the original iRacing streamer. Uh, he has a lot of subscriptions and and he was one of the the guys to watch back in the day when it it kind of when it all kicked off the streaming stuff. But videos, yeah, he puts up lots of YouTube's, and it's just him racing and talking about racing and uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Did he give any kind of report as to why he was on took a hiatus? Was it just a refresh, or was it a life issue, or something like? That? Got busy. Who knows. No, I didn't catch that. Um, there's he's he's putting out regular videos now, and I think they're the one that he put out initially. I didn't get to see it. That might have that information, but no, it's like he hasn't missed a beat, and he's just back in the seat. Next up, we have a hint that we're maybe getting closer and closer. What do you think, Brian? 
Yeah, spe speaking of um, YouTube uh, YouTubers who are really good to watch, uh, this is, comes from uh, Dan Suzuki, but this was a, a tweet of his that he, he posted, and um, he shows a picture of his garage settings, and in the tire type, um, there's an option for wet. So apparently there's uh, he has the, op the uh, opportunity to put wet tires on his car for wet conditions, and that can only be one thing. So, um, you know, every, we've had so many clues as the rain's coming soon, coming soon, coming soon. Um, so this is another one. Um, but uh, does this mean it's coming next build? I don't know. Who knows? It's uh, We've speculated, I think, as two builds that it was going to come and we're disappointed. Uh, but uh, this might be a sign that we're one step closer. Maybe, maybe this could be the year. Yeah, this got us going in the group chat, uh, team chat uh, this week about it. But uh, what did we decide? Is it coming before the 24 hours or not? No way. I think Dave said yes. <laughs> Ain't no way. That was Mike's idea. All right. So we had a, this, a just, bill. Just this don't week. listen to Mike on a, any kind of prediction of any kind. We had a patch, right? We had a patch. And I was like, whoa. Now, this discussion w was before the patch came out. And I'm like, this is it. This is it. It's rain. It's two weeks before the 24. That'll give us enough time to, you know, make sure it's working. And they're going to debut it before the 24. But sure enough, we got the patch and it wasn't rain. I was completely wrong. It was kind of like a pit strategy call, basically. There could still be a patch next week. You never know. <laughs> it would be a nightmare, though. And I think we all agreed for the most part in our, in our group chat that this would be a shit show or sorry, this would be a nightmare if they decided to run with it before the 24 hours. Something like that needs to be incorporated in shorter races first. They yeah, need to make and, sure it doesn't and smaller go bad. races too. Not yeah, and, and smaller races that aren't their biggest event of the year. You don't want to you don't want to turn that into a nightmare. Uh, we've already seen what happens when they have issues with people logging in, and um, you, you don't want this to happen. Um, be your test the day twenty four. You think the articles about iRacing is done? started now what wait till they have a bad 24-hour race and servers are like dead or something like that because nobody's af or everybody's afraid they're going to be racing in the rain yeah and i just feel like and i think david said it in the group chat that when I, rain comes we're all going to know it's going to be promoted um i think it will be a part of a special series to like uh, a smaller series to get everybody going in at first and then then into these special events um down the road well i don't think we're going to get it in all kinds of tracks either it's going to be specific tracks to start off with so i was looking for the comment but somewhere along the way i read that if you put the wet tires on the car and you look at the tires they're still slick but if you drive them they're different they, they're they're true you know it's like driving a wet tire on a dry track they're slower than regular tires Okay. Well, and they'll so, they, so they're actually there. They're just not there visually, but they're when they yeah, you can select the them in the garage and you can drive them. That's cool. And I don't think it's selectable right now, anyway. Right? That got changed. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody brought up. I don't know where I was reading. Maybe the forums, but uh, having this as a fun hosted race, uh, using your rain, uh, wet rain tires on a dry course and see how long long you can last or what different tire strategy you can come up with. Boy, everybody was hoping for that patch that uh, got rid of the cooling the tires in the in the uh, grass because that would be the only way to keep them cool. 
Could you imagine Mike trying to save those tires? Oh my God. <laughs> They'd be done in qualifying. <laughs> is Mike, why is Mike going in on the pace lap? He's got to get tires already. <laughs> He's tires out. Um, but yeah, the, and another thing is just because they had introduced rain, if, let's just say they did for before the Daytona 24, wouldn't, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be based on the local weather patterns and stuff like that? That doesn't mean it's necessarily going to rain. Um, it's just a possibility. You know what I mean? It's, it's available if, if the weather conditions turn out that way, it's, it, if it did rain, it would almost feel like it was forced you know, just to, to make it happen as opposed to being based on actual weather patterns in the area of the, of the track. You're right. When it happens, I want it to be natural, you know? Exactly. So what yeah, they're going to have to do, what Brian, you're saying is at some point they're going to, they're going to, everything's going to have to follow the, they're going to have to have a weather pattern in iRacing that follows what, you know, the real world, like they're going to have to use, it's kind of like what Microsoft flight simulator did where they can use the real data from, um, weather networks to, uh, yeah. incorporate it into, to it and create, and then create its own weather pattern. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't think it would have to be live data. It could just be, you know, like, um, if you have a, you know, a year's worth of, uh, of patterns Apple. for a certain area. And you just base it on that. What, what you know, maybe it doesn't rain as much in August as it does in September, or something like that. Can you imagine paying eight dollars a month for a badass racing simulator that can do things like that? I mean, that's probably why I don't complain too much. But the simulator's dying. I still laugh every time we start talking about the subscription price when I look at my rig. The rig didn't nickel and dime me though. The the rig was like a taking a a leg and arm off at a time. Right. All right. Let's jump into that patch. I mentioned, uh, we talked about already. So it was season one patch two release notes, uh, scrambled looking through it, looking for that rain. It's not there. So what did we get? Some iRacing UI fixes. Well, that's good. I still found another place in the, I went to go test a car and I went to go pick a track and I couldn't scroll the list of tracks because I don't have a scroll wheel on my rig. I had, and, and I couldn't touch into it and arrow down either. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a great, great, it's, it's done. It's really good right now. They, they got so much work to do. And, and to think that they're taking away the website in three months, uh, in less than three months. Wow. Interesting. I have, I heard, and I wish I could find, I'm trying to look for it now, but people are having a problem with uh, the restart zone becoming an issue. Uh, I've ran very few oval races since um, the restart zone became a thing. Mike, have you noticed anything in the NIS races or people have been taken off in the restart zone? We don't have the restart zone in NIS races uh, that I'm aware of. Okay, that makes sense. Do we know if it's yeah, actually going to be open? They did fix some issues with that rolling, uh, with that race uh, restart zone. Uh, they adjusted the jump start black flag detection rules for rolling starts to try to make false black flags less likely to happen. Now, do we know if it's running in a open? Because we've been running it in the winter series, and the restarts have been so much nicer. There's so much less stupidity on the restarts in the winter series with 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 that rule in effect. In the league, yeah, it's been real smooth, hasn't it? Nobody's really had a problem with it. We haven't had any quick 
cautions, which most of the time end up happening because somebody jumps the restart to force a three wide. Uh, so onto the cars, they adjusted damage model on some of the cars, reduced the stiffness and friction. Um, BOP adjustments for the uh, 24-hour cars. Uh, some adjustments at the new VIR uh, they put out recently with the trees. This little stuff. They, this little stuff. They they uh, fixed an issue with the centripetal circuit. Um, does anybody use that? Have you ever used that circuit? I've never done it. I use it to take pictures. Pictures. And <laughs> if I, when I invite somebody over to try the rig out for the first time, I like to just to come on there and say go go to town before putting them on a track. Brian, have you ever seen how you're supposed to use the track? Yeah, I actually have seen how you're supposed to, but I've never done it. <laughs> so I've gone there to try to ride the fence. Like at one point, I think it was a long time ago, maybe 2013, 2014, I got the car, the A car, up on the fence and rode the fence all the way around that track. There's some physics for you. You did a hail, mel hail melon the whole way around there, did you? Yeah, but the wheels were up on the fence. Okay, the car uh, sideways off the ground, off the track, up on the fence, driving the fence. Because you could, I, I, maybe the physics is right. I mean, you could carry enough speed. There was enough horsepower before NASCAR, you know, neutered, neutered the car with the horsepower. There was enough horsepower back then. I could I could keep it on the fence because the fence was such a tight angle because it's such a small track. Not to get Try too real-worldy, but they said they neutered the horsepower for the real-world cars to save money. What's an extra 70 horsepower going to cost? No, they didn't do it to save money. They did it because they wanted closer racing. They wanted more pack racing. They want it more like the, the floor models they sell on Monday. The motors are still built the same. They just take the spacer takes the the power away. All right. Well, Ryan, let's jump into World of Outlaws. It looks like we got a new first time winner. Yeah. So uh, this is a uh, Monday's night race was uh, week seven of ten. Um, they were at um, Cedar Lake Speedway. Um, and Tim Smith, who is the points leader now, never has hasn't won any races. At as, as of yet, finally broke through and won the race, which was really cool. So Tim Smith was actually had led the most laps and was in the championship lead going into this race, but has as yet had not won any races. So he finally he finally got the monkey off his back and, and took the victory of this race. Um, so if you remember, he was he was winning by uh, three points or two points uh, in the championship race over um, Alex Bergeron at the end of the race last week. And even though he won, Alex Bergeron finished second. Alex won his heat just like uh, Tim Smith did. So he only gained uh, a couple more points. So he he does extend his lead technically, but it goes from like two points to five points, something like that. So still a super tight battle for the championship lead. Um, we've got three races left. Um, you can you when I was watching this race, especially the heat race that Alex Bergeron was in, because he actually started third in his heat, and Tim Smith had already won the pole and the first heat. So um, you could you could see Alex Bergeron driving like he was not quite desperate, but he, like he needed to, he needed to move. And, uh, 
and and get up there and and it was really interesting to watch because uh, it's getting to the point where uh, the championship's going to be on the line week after week for the next three weeks and uh, and these guys are just looks like they're just going to be battling back and forth um, for the next for the till till the championship um, so next week's going to be at Knoxville Speedway uh, a really good track for these guys um, they're going to be they're going to be it's a real high speed track they're going to be running the outside wall once uh, once it blows off and the uh, racing line's going to get real narrow at the top and uh, a lot of things can happen when when that uh, when that when that racing line on these dirt tracks gets way up way up against the wall and uh yeah, it's going to be some cool stuff. So, so we got uh, Tim Smith was first again. Um, Bergeron was second. Tanner Pettit was third. Good run for him. Tyler Shell uh, finished fourth, and Evan C finished fifth uh, Monday night. And um, <clears throat> James Edens, who was uh, who was in the top five, uh, had a terrible race. He got uh, he got into an accident. So Tyler Shell is in third place. Alex Bergeron second. Timmy Smith leading with uh, three lace races to go in the series by five points. Oh, Timothy Smith is just hot, hot, hot right now is, is the way I'm seeing this. I mean, he's won two in a yeah, row, he's right? He's been very – he hasn't – what you say? He went two in a row? Right. No, no, no. He has not won two in a row. This is the, his first win of the season oh, last, okay. last night. He's just been putting in top five finishes on a regular basis. And that's how it. he's been able to uh, take this take this points lead over over guys like uh, Caden Carwell, who uh, who crashed out and has two wins. James Edens crashed out. He has two wins, but they're all trailing behind uh, Tim Smith, who up to, up to Monday hadn't gotten a victory lane yet. All right, Mike, we got a Coke update. It's uh, draft week, guys, and we just got the beginning of it happening. Uh, the first announcement was Jim Beaver Esports. They've announced Malik Ray and Garrett Lowe. Uh, I was a little surprised. Malik Ray and Jim Beaver seem like uh, salt and pepper. I don't know. They're two different kind of people, but uh, pretty neat they're pairing up. Uh, Malik Ray on the back end is changing teams uh he, he left i think dead zone and he's going to legacy or something like that i would have to look but he, he's changing back end teams as well uh, um garrett Lowe, you know he he's a proven commodity so uh, a, a nice lineup and uh, pretty cool for jim to be the first to announce and then also not on the script yet uh but also announced earlier today roush Fenway Keselowski Racing announced Timothy Holmes, a rookie, and popular Hayden Honeycutt, who's been running uh, truck and bush and, and uh, excuse me, uh, Xfinity races uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, and so, yeah, our uh, RFK Racing has their drivers as well. Caden uh, Honeycutt was in the uh, Chili Bowl uh, as well, I believe, right? Yeah, he's one of them in there. All right. What do you think of this next thing, Greg? It looks like we've got real driverless race cars. Yeah. So um, I guess Mike, we've post we're posted it here, showing it from uh, I guess the, the TikTok clip um, of it uh, from a newscast that's interviewing um, a driverless AI robotic car. Um, I guess it was doing over a hundred miles an hour, um, and uh, there's a couple of them on the track, I guess. Uh, they were doing a, it was a car driver car race, actually. 
Um, and uh, it's quite an interesting idea. Um, I don't know. The technology is crazy. What we can do nowadays, and um, I think it's uh, I think it's a cool step forward to learn um, some of these things with to help sensors and things like that uh, figure out uh, for other technology on cars that we drive on the road. And I first saw this a few years back. Um, I'll take a serious take on it. This is what could get. Um, motorsports into the collegiate level, I believe, into the technical schools, maybe. And then if you're a part of those programs and you branch out to real race teams, because you're still working on other things besides the AI part of the car, you got suspension and, and chassis work to do and tire, tire work. But uh, I thought this was really cool. This could add to some uh, race weekends, you know, uh, somewhere, but it'd be kind of cool to see colleges take this and, and run with it. Saying that, oh. do you think, um, you know how they have the, the they got next or this year they're um, bringing the uh, cup car to Le Mans. Um, do you think that they kind of have something like this down the road for an endurance race? They kind of put an AI car on the track. Like I'm not saying in the next couple of years, but it's something maybe they enter in in a, in a category like that. There would have to be some liability issues worked out before you do that. But um, yeah, why not? So if you click his profile and you'll see the video of the actual news clip where they show the racing on track. So they had the CES show at Las Vegas and this was a demonstration in conjunction with that. There were several teams, like six or eight, I think. Um, they were from different countries. And so they had Team Germany, Team Italy, team, you know, and so forth. And these are Indy light cars uh, with no drivers. And they're basically racing each other and uh, trying to see who, you know, which engineering team can push the car the fastest and, and win the race. And uh, it was a fantastic, you know, demonstration of, you know, what, what could be achieved at the, you know, in, in a very short amount of time, uh, obviously. So um, like you guys were saying, as this gets developed, you know, we might have real AI driving cars that in it that can race with real you know race car drivers in an actual race you start to run into a point where the ai can outperform because they don't have to deal with the g-forces in fact we're running into that with with fighter planes now that they basically can't turn any faster or they knock out the drivers yeah you don't have to worry about uh, nothing fatigue anything you just have to worry about your uh electrical components lasting remember yeah, when cart went to texas yeah, yeah, they were they were blacking out in the corners. They were going so fast, and the G forces were so high. But would you, oh, and let's say twenty, thirty years down the road, would you watch a series of robots over a series of humans? I don't know if I could. I think at that point, you know, I, I'd be tapping out. Who knows? Is the robots any different than watching us race online? It is. Well, yes, you have a human yes. being behind the controls. Yeah, but <laughs> that pull over and go it's, to the bathroom. Uh, uh, what we're doing isn't, uh, I don't know, it's hard for me to explain what I'm thinking. Of. We're not real. It's still virtual. We're artificial, right? too. What's the story when we watch racing? Is it the car? Yes. No. What's, <laughs> what's the story when we watch racing? It's the personality. It's, it's, it's Dale Earnhardt. Just listen to Rick Allen with one lap. It's Mark Martin. It's the drivers. It's the personalities. 
But I hate I hate to tell you, I have no idea. David, if you go into a race and you streamed it and I watched you, I have no idea who you, or, or, or a race that you were in with 20 different random people. It's no different. I wouldn't know who the personalities are. Well, that's because I've got two viewers. That's why I don't stream anymore. I just meant a broadcast with you in it. Yeah. And another thing is, is especially with racing, is without the drivers, there's there's not that risk of, of uh, somebody somebody getting hurt. You know, I'm not saying that that's something that you watch it for. I know maybe some people do, but it's it's always part of the excitement of watching a race. You know, there's always that element of danger that that you can't do in a, in a uh, AI car. So I just had a thought. An Indy 500 with AI, with with you know no restrictions, no wickers on the wings. Like like let's let the cars go as fast as they can go. Let's push the limit on the speeds. Let's let's let the teams just you know go for it. Unlimited. Open up the rule book a little bit, and let's have a real fast fast race. Now I think people would watch that maybe. Maybe, but there's two reasons for the rule book. Safety, cost. I, I wouldn't want to be in the stands. Yeah, spectator <laughs> safety. That race. You'd have empty stands for it. You'd have to televise it. But it, in a way, it reminds me of um, like uh, like when Big Blue beat Kasparov in this, or or Watson beat Ken Jennings at Jeopardy. It's it's in a way it kind of. You, you you feel you're rooting for the human because that's what's what you are. And if the if the computers are beating these uh these chess masters and and Jeopardy champions, then you, you lose a little humanity in it, in my opinion. And and when when that goes away, it stops. You, your investment goes away, and uh, it's it's a little deflating for as a, as a human. You know, I, I I'm not ready to. Uh, to welcome our computer, our robot overlords just yet. I, I get what you guys are. You guys are saying that you think the guy, the cars are going to go that much faster, but tires don't get more grip because they have no driver in it. I mean, they're driving. You're still going to have that limit of the car. I get that they were blacking out at a certain track, but the tire still has a slip angle. And once it's reached that slip angle, it ain't going to be any more. But we've already reached the point where a machine can outperform a man as far as G-forces go. We're already there with the current tire. It's a tire wider. Boom. Yeah, if you make it wider, you slow it down. I don't think it's as simple as what you guys are making it sound to be. That's a good point. I mean, they're doing indie light cars at Vegas. And... As you see them go around the track, they don't look like they're going fast. I mean, they're not going like it as fast as the car can go. Why are you, why are you saying they're not going as fast as they can go? If the car is lo- if the car tr- car loses traction, the driver brings the car back to where it has traction again. So you're saying the drivers were blacking out prior to thing. that than having a driver. So if you're driving in the corner and the car doesn't have any grip to hold it. It's not because the driver ran out of G-force or it was too much G-force on the driver. It's the fact that there's no grip and the mechanical grip is gone or the aerodynamic grip's gone. That's Yeah, that has nothing to do with G-forces. That's just my assuming. Well, they're Indy lights. They don't go as fast as... Well, as I was referring cars. to this specific uh, event. Um, but, 
they weren't running them as fast as they could be run uh, or anything like that. But well, they're yeah. not going to risk losing all their funding, right? Like you, you wreck one of those cars. I didn't want to wreck them all, right? I don't think they wrecked your data anything. gone, right? Yeah, they didn't wreck anything. So, but once you take the driver out, you you can you can go faster because you don't have to worry about them blacking out. You can go more downforce. You can put more grip in the tire. <laughs> I, 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 isn't this the same <laughs> argument we have every time with NASCAR? Make a better tire. It, <laughs> NASCAR's, not, NASCAR's nowhere close to that limit. The cars it, are an Indy car is at its max, and they blacked the out. Most part, and they blacked out at Texas. Okay, so you get a little bit more of that track. But it's not that bigger. It's not much, that much more. The car only has so much grip. Idle idea. All right, what about the roar? Let's move on. Uh, the roar is uh, tomorrow. Tony, Rochette, and I are going to run tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern. There are also uh, starts available on Saturday at 2, 7, and 11 Eastern. Who else is running? And what car are you running? I'll be running Saturday morning at 4 a.m. Pacific time in the BMW uh, M4. Wow, you're going to set an alarm and get up and race. You know, I'm kind of excited for it. I was going to say this for final thoughts, but um, I like to wake up early as it is. But by the time I'm over with this race, people will start, they'll be waking up around the house. Um, can run some errands in the morning, got a big football game in the afternoon, and then we got the majors event Saturday night. So it's going to be a fun uh, Saturday. So you didn't tell us when you're going to take a nap. You got to fit a nap in there somewhere, right? After the majors race and before dinner, probably. There you go. So I'll run the Toyota, uh, new Toyota 86. What do they call it? GR86? GR, G, yeah. I hope they're a little quicker than the Mazdas. They will be. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll miss the winter NIS because of it. Uh, but that's okay. Like I said, I'm going to be one and done with that series for the week. Have you been the slower car in a multi-class event yet, Mike? Oh, yeah. Not recently, but I have in the past. I'm learning that this week, and it's actually uh, it's actually quite the challenge to be the slower car on the track, especially when you got jet cars coming from behind. Yeah, watch the mirrors. And then the next event is next week, and that's the big race, the Daytona 24. And, uh, yeah. You know, I actually went to go uh, practice for this and uh, was kind of dismayed to see uh, that the official series are not at the Daytona track. They're at some other track that I don't own. Well, it looks different now because I'm looking um the start date, the 17th is actually going to be Daytona because they're in MagniCore this week. They'll be at Daytona next week as we're prepping for Daytona. Oh, okay. So I'm just a, a week early. It must have gotten adjusted because it wasn't that way a week ago. Is Mike trying they to hurt practice? You. A little. <laughs> but uh, but uh, like a practice race, you know, I don't practice practice, practice race. Like I'll, well, don't so forget there's a lot got, hosted. Don't forget you got that, uh, you know, the thing where you can reset the active reset. Yeah, but the biggest challenge in the endurance is the multi-class. So... Speaking of active reset, I'll divulge a little bit on what happened there. I tested with that today at uh, the the Indy Pro at the Phoenix Oval, turn one and two, 
over and over and over again, trying to nail it, trying to figure out how to get that late X, uh, apex to, to get the most run off the corner. And I ran it, uh, you know, I active reset it maybe, you know, 30, 40 times in a row. And I, what was interesting is the very first time when I pushed the button and set the time to the line to start with, that was pretty much my fastest time, the entire exercise. Like I never made my time better, maybe a little bit once, but the very first time I did it, it was the best time I did. So I don't know if it helped me. That's pretty funny. I like that. You got worse. As I got worse. <laughs> as yeah. So I kept doing it. <laughs> well, after 30, 40 times, I was like, oh, I'm going to park it. So, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's with any practice. You know, you have to, uh, you can't zone out. You know what I mean? It's, it's easy to zone out when you're doing something like that. You've, you've really got to stay engaged the entire time. Now, Mike, when you push, like, where did you, uh, did you have like a straightaway before you uh, did it? the initial button right at the start finish line. Now, this oh, okay. is the old Phoenix uh, uh, going into one and two. So right about the start finish line, it's already in six gear. It's at the highest speed. And that gives me just a moment to set up for the corner and go. I would probably try to do it after you just exited the turn four or the last turn. Give yourself a little bit more time to get to get back on in the car yeah i think that's why he's not as fast as because he's there's no there's no time to to relax when he first when it first clicks back how's your guys's team coming along do you guys have all the time slots filled up yeah we do I think we're good and uh you, you're the other team uh i guess chris scales they recruited him back to help out and fill the spot and so i think we're good yeah we got four on team gt and i think um Tyler's working on a paint scheme for us right now. So, you mean it's you guys good. didn't bring flowers back? He was mentioned. David Flowers. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, we David Flowers was a admin on our team for a long time. I know nothing about it, so I can't. He's going to go down for more than just the admin part as a team history of Tafosi Racing. Anybody want to talk about the uh, balance of power on the on the twenty four cars? I haven't yeah, noticed so let's yet. talk about it. All right. Uh, 10 kilograms to the Ferrari, 10 kilograms to the Mercedes, minus 1% power and fuel on the 911. All right. Seems fair. It just means the Ferrari and the Mercedes definitely had an advantage on the streets. I, yeah, I think I noticed that um, a couple weeks back that it did seem quicker you'd be able to catch cars, but a little slower in the turns, but that's my driving style. Who knows? Each car always has a certain tracks that they favor or certain types of, um, thing, certain types of, uh, circuit layouts. And the GTD category is definitely one of the harder ones to, I know David loves the Ferrari, uh, in the, in that series, in any of the series races, he races with it. Um, I've experimented with like a bunch of different ones on it. I actually but, don't have uh, the GTD Ferrari. Yeah, it's it's harder depending on what um, what track you're at. I only have the four the GTE Ferrari. Oh yeah, sorry. This is that. No, this is the GT threes. That's right. So what do you you would have the Mercedes, wouldn't you? Or that's the, you have the old one though. 
Remember in the Mercedes, the McLaren, the Audi, the Lambro, some of those. Podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. You can find us on Discord and our website, iracerslounge.com. We are in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network and uh, the Sim Racing Channel on Roku TV. I rock, I rock. TV, sorry. I rock. We still need to change the script. I got to get that. You had Kyle on last week. You could have asked him. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash? Good credit? No credit? Doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's kick off Metro Ford hardware stories with the Denizma DMG-1. Take it off, Mike. Well, this is the craziest looking thing you've ever seen. They call it the most realistic F1 simulator money can buy. And uh, it's a six-minute video that basically shows it off at Autosport. They're... Uh, a YouTube channel, and they this this is the company that built it uh, for Ferrari, the Formula One team Ferrari. Uh, they in, installed it there in Italy, and uh, they're basically offering the same thing for sale to consumers. Uh, you can buy basically the same setup that Ferrari uses. And how much? About a million dollars. I don't think I got a price, so you know how that goes. I heard these things can cost up to a million dollars, these big sims. So, I mean, and the space it looks like that you'll need for this thing. Obviously, it is spectacular, but um, yeah. You're looking at big money, big, big money. You know, I, I think I might have heard in the video what it was, and I'm, I want to say three million, but I don't remember specifically. What graphic card do you think they're using? I don't know. You know, obviously they have a projection uh, set up on a round screen, you know, that's outside of the car. I'm guessing it's purpose built. I don't think there's anything that's going to be upgradable. What's weird, the only piece of the, of the car you see is the tires. You don't see any of the chassis. Yeah, because when you're sitting in the in the sim, that's how it feels it's how you're it's the only two things you're going to be able to see from the cockpit and it's just um that's how they've always done the sims for the f1 uh teams like why why draw it because the driver can't see it yeah you're when you're sitting in that cockpit you don't even notice that that's all it's on the screen well you're sitting in your fov so what you can see on your cockpit is what you'd see in real life anyway and then the only thing Externally, you'd need to see are the tires. But I don't know, are the tires, you know, 10 feet to his left? Well, it's all about perspective. I mean, I think it's the angle. You got to get, you know, and that's the trick. If you buy these trip, these huge triples or something like that, you got to get the distance 
from the rig or the eyeball to the screen just right, you know, for everything, the perspective to be right. Yeah, now obviously this is super cool and any one of us would love to have it, but it's a little unrealistic for, I guess, our hobby space. But other than that, it's it's awesome to see. Go to the four minute 20 mark, four minute 20 on the video. It, they show a, a, a wide shot of this unit and you can see the projection system up above on scaffolding and, and uh, trusses. I see one, two, three, four, five, maybe six different projectors. Yeah, so we need a personal mechanic along with this per package. Then you'll need health insurance for them. You'll need a rigger, yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at how they run F1 teams, uh, sims, they got a bunch of engineers in behind watching them while they're on the sim, uh, calculating things, changing. They can change um, environmental stuff for the driver and things like that as well. So that's, um, you're obviously not going to get that if you purchase it for your own house, but uh Definitely kind of, it's definitely cool that uh, you, it's off of this, but you're, you need a pretty big man cave or room to put it in. Well, it's very, I was going to say those projectors are up high. Uh, if you, if you see how high they are, this wouldn't fit in a regular room. I mean, you'd have to have like a large garage or warehouse kind of thing. Do you think they would fit on a 12 foot ceiling? Like if there was a 12 foot ceilings? That looks higher than 12 foot. I'd like to know what kind of hardware they're running, wheel and, and pedals. Well, if it, if it was Ferrari, you'd obviously have the rim would be all their stuff that would, their rim would be, right? The Thrustmaster stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a Thrustmaster. The, the trusses that hold the projectors up are at least 20 feet by my estimation. So, yeah, you just purchase yourself a nice 50 by 50 metal building in your backyard and... You know, pour the pad, get the electricity run out there. So it would be spectacular, to be honest. Well, for a few million less, you can now run a Moza FSR on any wheelbase, Donnie. Yeah, so Sean Cole from the Sim Pit uh, put out this video. Uh, shows you how to use a Moza FSR wheel on any wheelbase. So does this help them uh, get around their proprietary uh, issue that Moza would have? And this would help, I believe, um, even attack into Fanatec's uh, market even more. 50 bucks. Uh, it's a, it looks like a little Ethernet port hub with like four ports on it. That's what it looks like. But it takes, like you said, the Moza proprietary cable or whatever and converts it to a regular USB to go into a computer. So, Mike, you see the hub, you see the wires. What's What do you think is better, the Podium hub or this... Uh, this hub well i think that the hub is nice this 40 50 dollar item is nice because anything moza you can use on with any wheelbase i mean that's what it can accomplish like you can buy their shifter too and plug it into this thing and, and be able to use it on any setup as well as far as uh you know trying to compare it to the the podium hub uh that fanatec has that that has like play in it and i as as you know i'm not a fan of it at all i don't know about moses um quick release but i'm sure it doesn't have any play so this is their way of you using a moza wheel with a different wheelbase what about the opposite don't know about 
that because you have to have in reverse. You know, you'd have to have the their. You'd have to be able to use. Um, so you want to use a different wheel on their hub. They don't have a way to connect a different wheel to that hub. I don't think. No, I don't think they do. But uh, the Invicta does. Uh, the the one that put out the three new bases at the uh, Sim Expo, they they have uh, where you can put a cube control or a a Gomez or whatever on uh, their their wheelbase. They were touting that as a feature, but I haven't heard that uh, Moza offers that now. And did you did you mention that you had to also get the uh, the mount adapter that could be hub to connect it to a different wheelbase? I don't know if you mentioned that or not. No, yeah, the there's hub, another piece. The hub for the wires, and then there's a there's a, a mount adapter that connects to the Moza Quick Connect that has the bolt patterns for most normal wheels that can attach to uh, different things. If you had a universal hub, you could you could technically you could put this adapter on and hook it onto a Fanatec universal hub, and then use that um, use the other hub for the. Um, for the wiring so you could use you could have a dd1 and could use that this moza fsr wheel with these two pieces on it which is really cool because you know that that moza fsr for the money might be the best the best deal as far as uh formula wheel wheels go with um with LCD, led right. screens and everything else i mean it's 650 dollars and that's a hard. That's a hard price to beat for, for a formula wheel with a with a LED screen on it. So it's a good yeah. deal, and and it wouldn't take a whole lot to switch it over to where you could fit it on a different wheelbase. And that was one of the um, that was one of the downsides that people uh, had against Moza when they were coming out is that you know their ecosystem was, you know, was proprietary and you couldn't switch one for the other. But now it looks like you might be able to do that, and um, they might wind up selling more more of these wheels because of it. I agree. I mean, all these uh, wheels, and we kind of joked about this in the chat today that. We're having wheel fatigue lately, <laughs> formula wheel fatigue. Why? Because there's so many of them that, you know, they just inundate you from all these different companies. But uh, but you're right. The price point on this is on the low end when you look at all these different wheels. So, um, yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a no-brainer to certainly consider it. Well, the next one, Brian, is not a wheel. It's a MagSafe charger. What do you think of this one? That's actually pretty cool um so what it is is um it's a magnetic phone holder charger that you can mount on your rig so you can uh take your take your phone and it magnetically magnetically connects to this device uh which will attach to your rig and it charges it at the same time so um if if you're one of those guys who use like um use um sim hub on your on your phone this is a this is a great little piece that will give you those extra those dashboards that you can port to your telephone to your iPhone uh, and uh, and keep it charged and mounted in, in a nice place. So, pretty neat little idea. I didn't catch the price on it, um, but uh, as far as far as uh, simplicity and you know, but functionality, I think this is a really cool product. I, I just, the only downside is I, I don't think it holds Hershey bars. I like it. I mean. Obviously, iPhones, uh, iPhone 12 and newer has MagSafe, which is magnets in the back of the phone in a size of a silver dollar. You can't see them, but they're very strong. 
And um, most, about half the cases you buy for these phones are MagSafe compatible, which means they'll work even in the case. So the idea with this is you sit down at your rig, you got to put your iPhone somewhere while well, you just slap it against this thing and it magnetically holds it uh, securely and safely. Uh, it also would double as a dash. If you could mount this some way in front of your wheel and turn it sideways, it would work great for that too. Um, I love it. Uh, I actually spent a lot of money on an iPhone holder that's pretty convenient. It's not like this, but um, it was expensive. I spent like 90 bucks on it. This is just a piece of plastic 3D printed that you uh, mount to your 8020. Yeah, I feel silly. I have magnetic mounts in all my cars that I operate, and I don't even know why I haven't thought to do this on the rig yet, but uh, yeah, good idea. All right, Donnie, let's talk about this Grid Impex review that's next. Yeah, Adam Hart on his YouTube channel says that the new grid MPX formula wheel is the perfect uh, racing wheel for him. And you guys went over this wheel last week, and this is just another video about it. And this one shows us unboxing it. I think this is the all-black version of it, which looks really nice. I'm a fan of the, the all-black versions of these wheels that have been coming out lately, but I don't know. He likes it. I like it. Um, doesn't come with the screen, obviously. But um, I just like the simplicity of it. And this is uh, Sim Labs, right, Mike? Yeah, uh, Grid Engineering by Sim Labs. And Grid Engineering was a company in Canada. I actually bought my Sim Lab rig from them. They were like a distributor for uh, Sim Lab and other people. And uh, apparently they got bought out or combined or something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, $875. I mean, when you look at that price with no screen compared to that Moza with the screen at the lower price, it really points out that value of the Moza, by the way. Yeah, and this, uh, I like the button shrouds for this wheel. They're molded in uh, with the with the, the grips of the wheel. He, he goes over that. Um, but that 875 mark is the same price as a Gomez wheel without a screen. That one's been on my target lately, um, about to pull the trigger potentially on that wheel. Uh, I'm I'm finding probably in agreeing with you, Mike. That I don't think I need a screen on my wheel. I don't I don't know. I'm not finding the the need for it so far. So I might be going that route. But this this one doesn't look too bad either. The thing with the screens, so many of the third party apps are so much more superior because you can switch them for every car, and they're they're just constantly being updated. Well, some of the you got to say some of the wheels screens are can be fed by. Uh, sim hub and you can put custom screens up it just depends on the wheel yeah true um i don't know i, I haven't had a screen on my wheel to to really know if i'd even look at it but i mean i think the the gomez the top end gomez wheel is 1400 and to get a top end without it is 875 so you're spending almost six seven hundred bucks for for a screen on the wheel so i'm not sure if i necessarily need it but this wheel uh, hits right in the same um, price point as that Gomez wheel I'm looking at. You know, I say it every time, but I'll just say it again. The way you're going to have to hook a wire to the back of this thing, and you have to, like, push it in just right, line it up, screw it down, and every time you switch wheels, you got to do that. Right now, when I switch wheels, it's a pretty quick process because the cable's magnetic. I literally rip it off. And when I stick it on there, I just got to even, I got to get it close. And then the magnet just draws it in. So I can't tell you how, uh, you know, how uh, convenient it is with that magnetic con connector. Now I know you're only going to get that with cube controls, 
um, because it's proprietary to them. But man, it would be great if these other manufacturers somehow picked up on that and came up with a, a similar solution. I'm wondering what the pull in pull out limit would be on a setup like that. Like uh, how many, how many times are you allowed to pull out before that connection goes bad? Well, when you, you can look at it, when you look at the back picture of this wheel, it's got six pins and it's got a notch. You got to line up. I mean, if you're careful with it, I'm sure it's fine. Why don't we go ahead and pull over to the next topic, Greg? Uh, one of my favorite companies uh, that I've dealt with here is Advanced Sim Racing, and they've tweeted uh, that they found, they're calling it the holy grail of VR. Um, after testing every single VR headset on the market for the past two years, they found the one product that sim racers should aspire uh, or aspire to for the ultimate experience. I'm guessing it's called, is it, do they call it a Vigero? Merho, arrow. Arrow? Yeah, you guys arrow, have gone over arrow. this before in the past. Yeah, we've covered this yeah, quite a bit. Arrow. <laughs> it's, it's pretty yeah. much one of the higher end ones. Twenty eight hundred dollars well, $2, Canadian. I don't know. It's probably like $10 American. <laughs> 21 <laughs> it's free shipping it's about two grand it's about two 2200 um, yeah 2200 i just yeah. switched it over i forget that i always have that site set on canadian it's only like two people that'll want that number i'm starting to remember when i bought my rig to these guys did i pay taxes because i didn't pay shipping i'm curious if i even pay taxes so i think 21.99 might be your price well not your price our price not, not my price because i gotta pay 13 percent on top of that if it was canadian it says below free shipping, no import fees. And I'm with Greg. This uh, this company is awesome. Uh, their customer service is awesome. So if you are looking for something, check with these guys first um, and see if they offer it because they don't just sell their stuff. They obviously sell uh, third party merchandise with their free shipping. They're in Montreal and they're hiring. I saw something that said they were hiring. And it's just neat to have a, yeah. a place to get the goggles if you decide to buy them. And this is a great company to buy them from. They they were running a Black Friday sale on the Arrow. Um, I think it was three hundred dollars off. I think Steve was talking about it with us. Um, so there was a little bit of discount on Black Friday. And, uh, I'm glad I didn't know about that because I probably would have ordered one uh, because I've been drooling over this bad boy for a while. Um, the only question is is do I have the computer to run it to where it um, to get all the benefit out of it? You know, I got a 3090 Ti, and so um, I think I would be okay and get get a lot of the benefits out of it. But I think these next-gen graphics cards, four thousands, are really probably where you want to be for for um, for a headset with kind of a, a resolution capability to where you're not dialing things back to where to get the frame rates up. Um, I, I'm dying to just try it to see to see how much difference this this headset is than like the HP Reverb 2 like we got. Um, but I, I'm dying to try this. I, another thing is this doesn't come with any of the base stations that you're going to need if you if you're going to um, use it for something other than sim racing. Um, and uh, and you pretty much have to use uh, headphones with it because um, the, the uh, the sound on this is not top notch, so I have all that stuff. So, and I don't think I would use the base stations, but uh, 
that uh, this and I just really, really want to just at least try it. <laughs> That's an expensive project to buy those twenty two hundred you know, for the goggles, and then you know, God knows how much for the computer to go with it. All right, Brian, going another direction. We got a really nice vintage-looking rig to review. Yeah, this was a uh, post on uh, Sim Alpha project, um, and uh, basically what it is is uh, is this guy uh, set up his racing rig, and uh, it looks like he's using actual real car parts. It's not it's not a you know a regular wheelbase and, and rim that you would normally see. Uh, it's got a full dash uh, with a with a shifter that's attached to it, where it's, the shifter is built into the dashboard as well. You know your standard um, standard um, speedometer and RPM uh, gauge, tachometer, all that stuff is in there. So, and, uh, you know, with the real car seat, so it's not, not it's not a real seat. So, uh, really cool looking. I, um, I think he, looks like he just upgraded from PS4 to PC. So, uh, he's, he's starting to run PCs with this thing. The pedals are, are look really good where they're at. Um, so it's really well made. Um, I think he's, a. I'm not sure where he's from, but uh, I'm not sure what this language is. The steering wheel, if you look at the emblem, it looks like Alfa Romero. So I think this is yeah, an Alfa, Alfa Romero. Okay. And if, that's the dashboard uh, as well from the Alfa Romeo, I guess? I don't I would guess know so. if that dashboard is from Alfa Romeo. It, it doesn't it look nice. It kind of reminds me more of like, actually, it's probably not even... I thought I, I thought for a second it was a Toyota Supra, like an old gen Supra setup, but I don't think it is because usually the Supras are more like cockpit based. So I I couldn't tell you which uh, dash that is. Pedals appear to be inverted G twenty seven pedals. I always like the, the 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 quality of these builds. Uh, it's somebody that has a passion of of recreating something. I'm curious if the Dashes the dash components work in sim or I don't even know what game he's playing up there. Like the FM radio, like you turn on the stereo. <laughs> Good. Uh, let's kick on the air conditioner. So looking closer at it, it is an Alfa Romeo. It's all Alfa Romeo chassis. Pretty neat project. It's a project. the left hand driver too. So you know that uh, it's kind of different for Euro Europeans, right? We we have an Alfa Romeo uh, oof, Alpha Romeo dealership here in town. The only European country that right hand drives is actually Britain. As soon as you cross okay. into France, you're on the you're driving on the right side. Is that because they're on an island? It's just because that's what they <laughs> wanted to do. Isn't Australia backwards too? They're still a part of the Commonwealth, I believe. That's a really big island. That's true. So speaking about the Brits, how about some triple screen glory? I'll take this one. Dave Cam, one of our favorite YouTube channels, he uh, goes through and shows us how he sets up for triple screen monitors. He said it's his number one question from viewers uh, is, hey, can you send me your settings? So instead of doing that, he just made a video and he literally shows you uh, in iRacing exactly what he put does with the uh, settings and so forth, and uh, how he determines the angles and all that. What graphic card does he run, Mike? You know, I didn't catch that. Uh, not sure. Because I, I watched one I from uh, Tommy Brandon 
and uh, we run with him in the winter NIS series and it was a great video, uh, but he goes into the app I and I, and then does some other things. And at that point I was like, ah, I'll stick with NVIDIA surround until, but I think Bobby Jonah's teammate, he posted in our group chat not too long ago that he was able to do it without going through NVIDIA surround. So I don't use NVIDIA surround. No, I just, uh, I was, wasn't too comfortable quite yet, but maybe uh, during a break, I'll give it a go again, but I'll watch this video for sure. And, see what Dave has to say. I never liked the NVIDIA surround for it. And especially if you want to, um, if you want to stream, uh, stream at all, it doesn't get, your screen doesn't get compressed then for when you stream for your viewers. Yeah, that makes sense. It was easy for the AMD side, uh, for us to just click a button and it turned off and then you click another button and turns back on. Um, forgot the hell they called theirs. Ifinity, I think. This next one is a bit insane. It's like a VR that wears you. Brian, have you checked this out? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. It actually doesn't seem like it's, you're like right on top of it like you would think you would be. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's called the Braillion VR, uh, and it's VR-like display. Um, and the reason I call it like... Is headset from Star Trek? Yeah, it looks like a blown up one, doesn't it? It looks almost like a like a curved um like a curved VR headset, except you know, it's about two and a half, three feet wide. Like a curved and, monitor. And a foot foot tall. Yeah. It's almost like a curved monitor, yeah. But um apparently it gives you the the VR three dimensional type of display on it. So it's almost like you're taking the VR uh display and it on a on a uh, circular type of uh, type of mo monitor. So I'm assuming that's the, that's the the gig is that you're able to get the VR 3D um, effects and depth that you get from this thing. Um, so it's definitely different. I don't. I'm not really seeing that that would be fun to do, but I don't know. There's a video at the bottom of the article that give you a better perspective of how it works. But you're right. You just sit at a desk, and this monitor thing is kind of right in front of you. You're not wearing it like goggles. You know, you're a foot or two foot away from it. It's weird. I don't wear these monitors like goggles. Like this. This is what reminds me. Did anybody see the movie Spaceballs? Yeah. Yes. It reminds me if they were making fun of VR, this is what they would wear. Like over-exaggerated version of it, like Dark Helmet with his giant Darth Vader yeah. helmet. Yeah. Uh, you can tell from the video that they're, that the other camera is picking up a lot of weird artifacts, so that's got to be how they're doing something to create the 3D effectiveness, because just a flat screen yeah. wouldn't give you 3D. But you can see yeah. the screen breakups in the video as well. And it just looks weird. Yeah. And, and one of the things that's cool about the, the part is that you, you kind of, the, your surroundings are not that you don't see any surroundings. So you get more of a um, immersive feeling with this thing. You know, you can, you can look all around and see your room all around you. And it's more like staring at a monitor. That's like real close to your face. And I, it doesn't look comfortable to me. You know, I'm probably the last guy on the team that can speak on tech, but this looks a little ridiculous. So one of my aversions to VR is I don't want something on my face. It's too hot. I live in Arizona. 
I, I sweat. I sweat even with not wearing it. So I definitely don't want something on my face. So maybe this is VR for somebody like me. Well, with your wind simulators, you can get that wind blowing on your face while you're in VR. Aren't we told? Aren't we told all over our lives not to sit too close to the TV or the monitor? Yeah, tell that this to the David who's putting not a these monitor. screens an inch from his eyeball every day. I I feel like I've my eyes gotten worse since I started with a computer desk job as opposed to being in VR. Yeah, it has nothing about getting old, right? It's got to be old. It's the it's the other fall, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right, Brian, take us back into a little bit of more of the normal world with this next one. This is uh, called a Enzio cockpit. Um, it's a 80-20 type of cockpit. It's very streamlined and very formula style. Um, it's 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 got the cradled seat that's really curved, and you really uh, lean back into it, and the cradles cradle cradles your bottom side. Matter of fact. It's what's what's really unusual that I've never seen before is you know the the rig is raised off the off the ground maybe about six inches, but the the cradle of seat actually is almost at floor level. So you're actually sitting below the bottom rungs of this 8020 rig, which is very unusual. It's going to get your your feet up real high, just like a formula style. Um, um, it's it's uh, not super structurally uh, overwhelming. Doesn't have a whole lot of structure around it. Just uh, just the, the base and and the uprights for the wheelbase and for the pedals. Um, so it looks like there were, you would need a lot of uh, a lot of things added to this to make it uh, more functional. You know, if you needed a place for uh, your mouse or keyboard, it's like something you would probably have to add to that. And uh, and would and where would you put the monitor on this as well? Um, if you if you're running um, if you're not in VR, uh, you would probably have to get a separate monitor mount and get it moved up real close to the wheelbase to make it work right. Yeah, you know on what? Sale. I yeah, I don't hate this uh, look at all. If you wanted a second rig uh, to try something different, but I'm trying to find where the price comes in. Eight hundred dollars. It's on sale from eleven hundred. Where's eight hundred dollars here? If unless you get the the wheelbase, the wheel and the pedals with it, uh, yeah, good point. I mean, the seat maybe is a big chunk of it. I don't know, but you're right. There's not a lot of metal here. So to I, be honest, I, I just bought some extrusion myself from an aftermarket source, and I'm looking at this, and you can probably get this for maybe I would say less than two hundred dollars. The extrusion that's here with the hardware, right? And add the seat to it. You got your own. I like it though. I mean, I always thought before I got into this hobby, when I was designing my original rig, I thought it'd be cool to design a second rig that can go next to it, a formula style rig, and then somehow work the computer and the monitor with it to where you just have to plug something in and whatever. But I kind of, I don't hate this design. It's easy to actually steal and make your own. I, I mean, the, like you said, the the butt is way lower than the pedals, right? I think a lot of formula rigs, we don't see it at that extreme. It's usually, they're almost equal. When you look at a side uh, diagram of an F1 car, their feet are almost at their head when they're, when they're laying down. They're almost, their feet are almost that high. Okay. So this is true to form. Close, yeah. All right, Mike, the next one we've got is a new wheel. A new wheel. A new wheel. Oh, wait, sorry. 
Is it not? There's no title. Are you on the right uh, story? The one that's after the Enzio cockpit? Yeah, I see Slimline slim Sim Hardware. Yeah. Okay, I must not be up to yeah, you're not updated on your scripts, yeah. And anyway, I'll take this one. This is basically a company review. Um, they're out of the EU, and they have a wheel, um, and it's a new wheel, and it's called the Leo XZ XF1 Sport. And it's a formula wheel with a display, carbon fiber, lots of fancy colored buttons. It's got that Gomez uh, wheel look almost. Uh, price. Now, I don't even know what currency this is. I'll have to take a look. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then I haven't really figured out which country it is either because it's in another language. It's a, a Polish. It's Polish. From there we go. Yeah. So it's 2,263 Polish dollars, whatever they call them. It looks like they do offer shipping to the United States. It does say that. And uh, what about the wheel itself, guys? What do you think of the look of it? It looks similar to some of the wheels we've been seeing, but yeah, it looks good. What does that convert to? Did we convert that? No, I Googled it. It didn't come up with anything. You're looking at the Leo X XF1 Sport? I really like uh, the look of it, though. It looks very high quality. But man, like I said before, these formula wheels, there's so many of them. Man, triple paddles on each side on the back. That's that's awesome, too. It's really hard to give a recommendation on on the wheels now. It's like, here they are. Take your pick. Flip a coin. Well, I mean, where do you want to get it shipped from is a consideration. Do you want to buy local to your country? You know, there's all kinds of considerations. All right, Donnie, next up, we've got a, a gaming pad haptic review. Yeah, HF8 Gaming Pad Review by uh, Simpit. He reviewed the haptic feedback gaming pad uh, throughout the video. So it's basically an insert you'd put on top of your seat, um, kind of like, um, I don't know, just an insert you put on top of your seat. Yeah, like a massage pad. There you go. He did say there was only one function that iRacing supports right now, but he was able to go in through some other programming to get it to work. Uh, but for the good, he put a, gives you a new level of immersion. It's a comfortable pad to sit on. Uh, the game physics uh, controlled by vibrations. So uh, what do you say about the bad, Mike? Well, first of all, I want to point out, he wasn't the only one who did a review. We only have two videos on the script of the uh, two different reviews, but I've actually seen about five or six. Uh, this is from Next Level Racing, and, and they did... They obviously got their uh, pad out to all these different YouTube reviewers at the same time. They all dropped their videos at the same time. This thing went on sale at the same time. So I got to say, uh, they did a real big push to get this product out. Uh, as far as, you know, you know what these reviews are saying, I mean, a lot of people like it because it gives you that butt kicker feel, but more on a more personal level because it's right up against you. And, and I think that's what the beauty of my butt kicker is when it's mounted right under my butt, literally an inch away, it's close enough to really give you a, a, a additional immersion more so than if it's attached to the rig and it's rattling the rig. But uh, with this, it's got eight different pads. You can run it by audio or you can run it by uh, just plugging it directly in and getting like the, uh, uh, the force feedback information or 
what do you call it, telemetry. So it runs off both. He said the audio didn't work very well at all. It was kind of mushy. Um, and he really had to dial in the different effects and turn off some. And, and he, he ended up putting certain effects up on the back and certain effects under his leg. Uh, and, and by separating them, he got uh, some better immersion because of that. Yeah, one of his cons was saying that it'll raise you uh, by two inches. I'm um, I run on a medium sized seat. It's a little snug for me, but I like it to be. <laughs> never mind. I like it to be snugger than it than the average seat, I guess. So this probably wouldn't work in the current seat I run now, but I do like the idea of it. This is the first one we've seen of this kind, right? Well, we've had these before from other companies, but I don't know if we've had uh, any of, that have been effective. Yeah, staying power. One a while ago, yeah, there was one a while ago where people were not getting their orders forever, and it was a, there was a lot of problems with it. Um, but this one looks like it's going to be a lot better, but uh, a lot better supplied and stuff. Um, another thing that uh, he mentioned on this, uh, you mentioned that it can it can run off of a three point five jack, so you can play console games with it. You you feel explosions and stuff like that as you're sitting sit down playing console games and. Um, there's also uh, they're doing a contest too. If you go to Sean Cole's The Sim Pit, he shows you the links to enter the contest. They're giving away like five or six of them. So, uh, if you want to try that out, two hundred twenty nine dollars. You can buy direct from NextLevelRacing.com now. Um, you know, a good company, uh, trustworthy. I don't think they're you're going to have a problem. You know, ordering a product and not having it delivered with this company, like uh, the ones we've talked about before. So that they have that going for them. Like you said, Donnie, moving the seat up two inches and the seat forward about an inch or two because of the padding um, might mess up some people. I mean, I think it would affect me because I'm real keen about making sure I'm not sitting up too tall or too, sitting down too short. Um, and so he, he made sure to say, look, you may have to adjust your seat, your wheel, and your pedals if you're going to use this on a regular basis. My other thought is, after watching some of the videos, I don't think you would want to mix this with traditional butt kickers. I think this is a butt kicker alternative. Hey, I'm on a budget. I, I, I'm, I'm sitting at a desk, maybe. I have a desk chair. This is a great add on to that situation man a desk chair and a, and you're sitting at a desk with a clamp on wheel man for 229 you can get some huge immersion to that situation i just think if you had buck kickers and it would muddy the waters you know it's just too much vibration too much going on you know all right let's wrap one up the hardware. yeah let's wrap up the hardware mike we got one more formula wheel by a company called cosworth Yes, you've heard of Cosworth. They used to provide engines for CART uh, back in the day. Uh, they used to be uh, associated with Ford, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, the engine maker Cosworth, uh, they have unveiled their first sim wheel called the CCW MK2 Pro Sim Steering Wheel. Yeah, they just don't make engines, Mike. They make steering wheels for IndyCar. Um, so this could be a, depending on what price point they come out with, but this is a real steering wheel company making sim steering wheels now. And I wonder what this could do for the sim market, because uh, this isn't a, a hardware, you know, 
maker coming up with a wheel. This is an actual company that has perfected this in the racing world and now making it for the sim industry. So I'm curious what the price point will be for this because this could change things a bit. We've already had several wheels that can go back and forth between a sim rig and a real race car. Yeah, made by hardware companies now, but this is these are steering wheel people. Now it does say they're in well, collaboration the, with SimTag. Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, Donnie, there's a MPI has a has a division of uh, right, the sim, right. steel, sim wheel products, so they're actual a wheel manufacturer that does sim stuff. But they they are about half the price of their real um, world counterparts, and. I, I think that has more to do with the rigor, the the, the um, testing and all that has to go through, and the certifications that wheels have to meet, um, as opposed to anything else. I think it's you don't have to do all that stuff when you're to a sim rig. Yeah. So SimTag uh, is a a sim hardware company, and they're, they're collaborating with them on the product apparently. And they showed the product at the Birmingham National Exhibition Center for the Autosport International Motorsport event just recently uh, on the 12th. But, but also to your point, Donnie, which I think is cool, is you know part of the reason I got an MPI steering wheel is because I wanted a wheel that was just like the ones that are in real cars. And you know if, if Cosworth is basically making this uh, formula wheel, is the the same way that they're making the ones that they're putting in real cars, you know, it's a kind of uh, immersion and, and the kind of, uh, you know, just uh, the commonality that you have between the real thing and the, and your SIM product there. What's the price point? Uh, we don't know yet. So yeah, um, they haven't announced yet. that. It's not for sale yet. You know, is it going to be, let's try to guess, is it going to be similar to what we see with those Mercedes and the BMW and the Bentley. The and Porsche all that. I think I, it's going to be like one of the Porsche ones. No, I'll, I'll go fifteen hundred. I'll say they'll get that market because I think that twenty four hundred Porsche wheel is, range. is ridiculously priced. But if they hit the fifteen hundred dollar mark, uh, that'd be decent. Yeah, that's like Gomez range wheels. That, I mean, for for real high end equipment, that's that's not too, too terribly bad. Let's talk about the NASCAR uh, iRacing Series Winter Series, North Wilkesboro. Wow, I, I think I told my team it was one of the hardest races ever, it felt like. Uh, I got involved in the first caution, somehow ended up with 8x in one caution. Wow. Second caution, I absolutely got ran over from behind and dumped. Uh, the third one, I actually spun out on my own, uh, causing the third caution. Uh, I was actually racing too hard for the lucky dog trying to get it. I stayed out of trouble for quite a while until the seventh caution when I completely got run over from behind again while fighting for the lucky dog and in this situation I felt like I was dumb. Um, about lap 95 I finally get to the lucky dog. Uh, a little after halfway at 133 a big wreck in front of me. I can't miss it and I hit the incident limit have to do the pass-through penalty 
I ended up uh, limping at uh, home, trying not to wreck uh, into anybody at P13. I was at 22X. And so uh, one more incident, or two more incidents that I would have been DQ'd, but was able to bring home a finish. It was top split uh, out of, I think, 32 people. So 13th, yeah, hey, I'll take it and run. Let's jump to other official racing. I ran the Pro uh, F2000 at Road Atlanta, qualified 15th out of 16, ouch. Got the 10th by the end of lap one, had a great race and finished P6. Then the F2000 at Road Atlanta, qualified fourth this time out of 17. P2, didn't have anything for the leader though. Uh, then moved to Pro 2000 at Road Atlanta, qualified fourth out of nine, P4. Then we switch weeks, Indy Pro at Phoenix Oval. Start 18th out of 24, finished uh, P9. Got one incident where a guy uh, was getting freight trained. I was the third in line on the bottom when I went by him and he tried to pinch me and he basically banged wheels with me and he wrecked. He wasn't happy with me, but I stayed out of trouble and brought it home. Uh, moving forward most of the time, I only got passed on the track twice. I was usually the one passing, so uh, it was pretty encouraging. Next race was the F2000 at the Oval running in the top seven, and I was inside a guy who cut down on me and spun us both out. Then I moved back to the pro at uh, Phoenix, running 14th out of 18. Uh, they wreck in front of me. I barely nicked it uh, and got a meatball with 15 minutes damage. Uh, car looked intact. I was really surprised by the damage. Uh, then back to the F10,000, uh, F2000 car, started 10th and finished third. Spiker, you ran a bunch of dirt. Yeah, no, I've been sick the last, um, today's actually the best day i felt in over a week, but uh, other than practicing for the majors, practicing for the Roar and the 24, I didn't run any official races other than uh, some dirt rookie street stocks. Um, wanted to change it up. I wanted to get into dirt. I just don't feel really confident with it, so I thought I'd start with the basics again, and I ran a total of eight races in the last week or so with the rookie street stocks and the dirt side, so... It's been a lot of fun Been learning out uh, different uh, track types and then what happens when they take rubber and don't take rubber. So it's been exciting. I think I'm going to give it a go the whole entire uh, the rest of the season, see where I end up and then maybe move up to the late models the next season. Make sure you got the right wheel settings, man, for dirt. You went totally different than road and oval. Yeah, and the Cube app helps you. Uh, with that pretty right, well. you just searched one up and popped it in there you go i i love the simi cube uh, because of that i haven't really tweaked the settings at all i'm just running other people's profiles i've never felt the need to to tweak anything all right uh hosted i ran the old indy car at the old michigan with mr tony rochette i ran uh 16th finished 16th and he finished seventh later i ran supercars at texas started uh, 21st, finished 7th. Then the 87s at Talladega, uh, wrecked out, ran it again, uh, always wrecked out. We ran it several times, actually. Then the next day, Riley Daytona prototype at Daytona, wrecked out. And then Indy, old Indy car at Michigan, I don't remember, uh, probably wrecked out. How about Winter League Homestead, David, P9. Yeah, will you read for me? So, yeah, so you got the coin flip split decision on a middle caution fell in your favor plus long run speed and ability to control a loose set paid off 
So almost didn't run, been sick all week with a non-COVID, non-flu virus. Didn't feel like getting back up, but did. Felt fever break again right in the middle of the race, P9. And I ran, got P22. Caution came out after the green flag stops. Maybe it was eight laps after I stopped. Uh, I was one away from the lucky dog, so I was trapped a lap down. Uh, tried to keep that lucky dog for a while, but eventually lost it. I suck. P22. Ryan, OBRL Cup. Yeah, so we were at uh, Indianapolis at the um, with the Cup cars Sunday night. Um, I finished P20, which was terrible. Um, I started off by touching, just touching the wall on both my qualifying laps, so it didn't register a Q lap at all. And I thought I had some pretty decent speed too, so uh, that kind of screwed me up. And then uh, I just had a terrible race. I uh, got got into a couple people and cup and uh, just got a bunch of incident points that that kind of screwed me out of a good finish. But one of them wasn't really my fault. One could was I think it was a racing deal, but it was a it was a just a problem. But um, but I do I do really like that car at, in the oval, and I really wish they would run it in NASCAR. Um, it's it's one of the tracks where you can really get around the corners with the pedals more than the steering wheel, because you can really manipulate how much the car is turning in the pedals by how much how much uh how much throttle you're giving it, which is a really cool feeling to have. You you don't get that a whole lot at at high banked uh, ovals or anything like that. So, um, just really like that car in in Indy, and um, and I was thinking after this race, uh, well, I can't wait till we run there for real in the full season, and and if they follow the schedule, I'm not going to do that. So it sucks. Up to final thoughts, and Brian McEvan, what do you got? Well, um, I'm going to miss the 24, and it's really bumming me out a little bit i had a trip planned that weekend so there's nothing i can do about it i feel one of the most fun things that we do especially as a team every year and uh you know i really feel bad that i'm going to miss out on it racing with with tyler and and tony and and rochette and donnie would have been the first time i raced with him and i'm going to miss it and it sucks but um it's 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 just like one of those things that um mark on the calendar and I screwed up and scheduled the trip that week. So, sorry guys, and good luck. And uh, Tyler's painting the car; it looks pretty cool. So, uh, good, good job, Tyler, and good luck, everybody who hits the twenty-four next week, or two weeks. All right, very good, David Hall. Final thought. My throat hurts. <laughs> we'll keep it simple, right? All right, Donnie Spiker, you're getting better. Final thoughts. Yeah, no, I'm excited for this weekend. Um, lot going on. Uh, we got the we got the roar on Saturday morning, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, the majors event be my first majors event, which I'm super stoked for. Um, didn't qualify the best, but I I feel comfortable with the car around the track. And then wake up sat Sunday morning and run the NIS race at North Wilkesboro. So that'll be an exciting three races this weekend. I hope you have a better uh, 87 race than I did at Wilkesboro. Man, that was a tough one. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, I'm just looking forward to uh, this week. We got, uh, like uh, Donnie was saying, we got the majors event uh, Saturday night. Um, I just, <laughs> while you guys were uh, doing a couple last hardware there, I uh, quickly jumped in and did it four laps of qualifying with the uh, BMW hybrid. I got my qualifying finally in for it. 
Um, so it's been a super busy week work-wise since I finally went back to work in the new year here and just uh, really, really exhausted. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to 24. I'm looking forward to getting this majors event in the way I have joined um, kind of forces with another team to, uh, in just the majors part uh, called uh, uh, why am I drawing a blank on it now? Anyways, I joined another team um, to uh, help them out, and they can help me out too, I guess, with the majors, and I'm going to run with them for the majors events uh, for it uh, as well. All right, uh, very good. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, yeah, just been racing the Indy Pro 2000. Uh, kind of a fun car. I actually took it out at the Nordschleife today in a test, and just running around there trying to, to figure it out. And... Um, this last week on the road course, as we got through the week and I got to racing it Sunday night at the end of the week, I picked up speed. I found speed. It took me many, many races to get to that point, but I figured I was going too slow in some of the slow corners. I was slowing the car down more than I needed to, and I kind of stumbled upon that a little bit and picked up my pace. And so I'm certainly encouraged going into the next week's road courses. Uh, and see if I can, you know, keep that trend going. So uh, with that, uh, hey, we'll see you out there on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.